energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. mentality where melanated people are connected in spirit love and community what's up kings and queens beautiful people everywhere it's your girl ck mcgee and i am your host hey there beautiful people how's everyone doing I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome to another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village, and you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I should also clarify, there are times when Village Mentality does go on hiatus, and so, of course, during those times, I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. But I'd also like to give a warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. Now, if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, then you're welcome to catch up on all those previous episodes I just spoke about, of Village Mentality, that is, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awakened Lounge. Hopefully in the future, you'll be able to get it on even more platforms. Now, I also do provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. But thanks again to all of you for joining. As a mental health and wellness advocate with lived experience with mental health conditions, each week I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health. What's important to understand about that is this. There are very there are a lot of people who are very confused in thinking that because they have not received a diagnosis, for instance, of for depression or anxiety, that the depression or anxiety that they experience doesn't mean anything, doesn't matter, is not important. They may not understand why they're experiencing it. And so that's what this podcast is all about. It's to hip you to the game of understanding that circumstances, like I've mentioned, you know, trauma, things that are happening in our lives can also impact our mental health as well. All right. So I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But I am focused on BIPOC communities, right? Because as an African-American woman, and I actually identify as far more than that, but who has that kind of time, right? (laughs) I'm extremely concerned, all right, about communities of color and their mental health. Now, when I refer to BIPOC, excuse me, when I refer to BIPOC, for those of you who may not be aware of what that represents, that refers to individuals who identify as black, which is a broad spectrum, by the way. We're talking about African, African American, Caribbean, like who identify as black, indigenous, and people of color, which consists of formerly we were calling them Latinos and then it evolved to Latinx and my understanding now is that it's Latine. So Latine, Latinos, 
they are considered people of color as well as Asian American Pacific Islanders, which again, broad spectrum of communities that are represented within the acronym for BIPOC. And one thing that's important to understand is that it's not that within these communities of color that there's a higher prevalence of mental health conditions, right? But it's the obstacles that these communities face with regard to access to mental health care, resources, and services. So those are the things that we like to highlight for you. Now, we may not all have mental illness, but we do all have mental health, and we need to make sure that we're taking care of it. The purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, right? And that's showing that poor mental health outcomes It's not always about chemical imbalance, but it can be, again, from various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Now, through education and advocacy by individuals like myself who have lived experience, whether it be with mental health conditions or substance use, or actually both, the hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. Now, through my advocacy, I'm working to destigmatize mental illness and to normalize the facilitation of conversations about mental health, right? Which, by the way, are much more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups. And it just so happens that it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. I'm always talking kings and queens about self-care because self-care, it's very important. It's a very important tool that I really do encourage us all to think about. Kings, this means you too. I receive a lot of feedback where I'm understanding that men don't resonate with the podcast. And I have to be honest with you, Village. I'm perplexed about that because why would you not resonate with taking care of your mental health? You go to the gym for your physical health, correct? And so this is another aspect of our overall health and wellness. So Kings, this applies to you as well, right? I know that this is not a podcast about sports and I know it's not a podcast about, you know, I don't know, uh, NASCAR racing or any of those things, but it's a podcast about our mental health. And we definitely need to, as men and women in the village, We need to understand the importance of taking care of our own mental health and supporting others as they take care of theirs, all right? So self-care is a way to do that. And it's up to us to be able to establish what that looks like for us individually, all right? Because there are actually many different ways that you can practice self-care, especially when it's viewed holistically. The benefits of learning to take care of ourselves, well, they extend beyond us. And it does have a positive impact on all those whom we encounter. For someone who may be in crisis or who may be experiencing emotional distress, it is understandable that self-care may not be on the agenda for you right now. And that's okay, right? Self-care, it's not an automatic practice, but it's something that we grow into, right? And when we begin the process of learning how to identify the things that we need to do, in order to better care for ourselves not only do you feel good but you'll be able to show up for others more effectively all right it is for everyone self-care and it could be as little as five to ten minutes a day maybe you might you know set aside a day to take care of yourself going for walks or making yourself a nice meal taking a nap 
very, very simple things, all right? And we need to realize that it's about self-preservation, village. Now, kings and queens, we need to stop talking ourselves out of it, and we need to stop allowing others to disrupt our self-care practices. They need to understand that you need a little bit of me time from time to time in order to function better. It's really just that simple. And if they don't understand, tell them to listen to the podcast. I'll explain it to them to the best of my ability. All right. <laughs> learn, learn to check in with your needs and live each day in a way that protects your mental health because it is an integral part of your total well-being. Self-care it rejuvenates our spirits and our souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And trust me when I tell you, Village, I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every single chance that I get. You dig? Now, if you've heard the show before, then you know that there's plenty of music too. I mean, music is my co-host, so of course it's always going to be that. So just yesterday, arguably one of the greatest performers of all time, would have celebrated their 65th birthday on August 29th. I'm talking about none other than Michael Joseph Jackson. Now, I am a big fan, but you know how they say there's always someone bigger? (laughs) Well, that would be my brother. He has a plethora of knowledge, a virtual encyclopedia when it comes to MJ. So, you know, of course, Village, that I wasn't going to let the opportunity to celebrate him pass me by. Mm-mm. So we'll be listening to some of our favorite MJ hits, and hopefully you will hear yours. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. village our first song of the evening just happens to be one of my favorites by michael jackson and it's from his fifth studio album which was released by epic records on august 10th 1979 it was jackson's first album which was released through epic records and the first to be produced by quincy jones whom he met while working on the 1978 film the whiz which i love watching now several critics observed that off the wall was crafted from disco, pop, funk, R&B, soft rock, and Broadway ballads. The album features songwriting contributions from Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney, Rod Temperton, Tom Baylor, and David Foster, alongside three tracks which were penned by Jackson himself. Now, this song peaked at number three on the Billboard Top LPs and Tapes chart, and also number one on the top black albums chart, staying at number one on the latter, the second chart that I just mentioned, for 16 weeks. And it received enormous critical success. Here is the king of pop with his song, Off the Wall. Straighten up your acting, boogie down. If you can't hang with the 
She's out of my life 
was the very first song, ladies and gentlemen, that demonstrated heartbreak and regret. <laughs> that was the first one I'd ever heard. <laughs> well, at least up to that point anyway, right? She's Out of My Life. It peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, marking the first time any solo artist had ever achieved four top 10 hits from one album. Now, here in America, it earned a million dollars selling platinum certification right? A million dollar selling platinum certification. And Quincy Jones originally intended to save this song right here. She's out of my life, y'all. For Frank Sinatra. Old Blue Eyes. Can you imagine that? Hmm. I'd love to hear that, though. Honestly, I, I would just like to hear what that sounded like. However, as always, it ends up with the right person. He wanted Michael to record the material with, you know, more mature themes. And voila, here we are, right? This gave him an opportunity, you know, to really showcase the full range of his voice. So he decided to bring the song to Jackson's attention. 
And look at what we have here. Right, Village? Good looking out, Q. Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. All right, beautiful people. So just around the corner, it's back to school, right? And we need to talk about back to school and mental health and consider ways that we can help to support our children for a successful year ahead. So, you know, given the fact that it's about that time of year, I think it's like next week, our children will be going back to school. And this transition is filled with excitement, anticipation, and of course, some natural apprehension. You know, it's an annual ritual for millions of students across our nation. So as we prepare for the new academic year, it's crucial to remember that school readiness isn't just about having the right supplies, right? It's also about mental health. Remember the pandemic, y'all. We're not too far away from it. And actually, there are people who are still impacted by it. If they don't have COVID themselves, we're learning about developmental delays or, you know, other other you know circumstances that that came to light as a result of the pandemic so we're not too far away from it and in fact we're still impacted by it as well right what's important to know is that mental health matters really no matter who you are often unseen and untreated child adolescent mental health challenges can significantly impact the ability to learn and develop now, one in five children has a diagnosable mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder, yet many of them, many of them do not receive the help that they need. Now, research tells us that there is a robust link between students' mental health and their academic success, which is why we're talking about this today, right? Therefore, awareness of mental health and potential for substance misuse should be a core part of every family's back-to-school preparation. Now, the return to school can be a stressful time, whether it's a child's first day of kindergarten or a transition to middle or high school or just the end of the freedoms of summer. So it's normal for children to feel anxious about these changes. So here are some of the ways parents and others within the community that encounter children on a regular basis, here are some of the ways that we can help to ease their worries, right? So communication, right? Communication is always important with anything, right? Encourage your child to express their feelings about going back to school. Listen to what they have to say. You acknowledge their fears, you make them feel understood, and you reassure them that it's perfectly normal to feel anxious about these changes. You also want to create some routines. A consistent routine fosters a sense of security in children. Establishing a regular sleep schedule, eating healthy meals, and setting aside time for homework and relaxation can help children adjust to the rhythm of the school year. So having your children stay up until midnight when they need to probably get up at 6 o'clock in the morning might not work out so well for them. So if you want them to be able to be at their best, set a reasonable bedtime for them so that they can get the rest, all right? 
make advanced preparations. So if possible, attend any scheduled school orientations, meet their teachers, locate their classrooms, let them see where they're gonna be, and become familiar with the school layout. That can be very helpful for students. That can help them to feel more confident on the first day of school. Now, if there is not a scheduled orientation, make time to visit the school ahead of time in order to help children familiarize themselves with the environment. It can also be helpful to practice morning routines like getting ready for the bus or identifying routes to school. You also want to be able to encourage in-person social interactions. So facilitate interaction with classmates to rekindle old friendships and make new ones. This may be one of the first years of schooling for many children without the COVID-19 pandemic interrupting normal social interactions. So social relationships can make the transition smoother and more enjoyable, right? So something else that we might want to draw our attention to is continuing support at school. So for any of you educators that may be listening, here are some suggestions for you. You want to spot the signs, right? Regular training sessions for teachers on how to recognize the signs of mental health concerns in students are vital. We can no longer ignore it, right? We have to be present and we have to be aware. Knowledge of how to respond in such situations can ensure that children in need receive the help they deserve, okay? You also want to create safe spaces. Every child deserves a nurturing school environment where they feel safe to explore and express their feelings. Schools can promote this by establishing safe, caring spaces where students feel comfortable reaching out about their mental health without fear of judgment. I've always said, ladies and gentlemen, that you know, as a, as a mental health advocate, I've always thought it very important to have mental health presence at schools at every level all the time. Not just during catastrophic events, but all the time. We need to provide that support for our young people, okay? So I'm so happy when I see that, you know, slowly but surely there is an awareness of that fact, okay? We also want to integrate mental health into the curriculum. Incorporating mental health education into the curriculum is a powerful strategy to reduce the prejudice and discrimination that's often associated with mental health and substance use conditions. This promotes understanding and empathy, which fosters a supportive environment for all students. That is exactly what I'm looking to do where I am employed, right? I am wanting to get into the classrooms with these young children who are, you know, toddler age, preschool, uh, we're preparing them for kindergarten, and I want to be able to get in and speak with their teachers about how we can incorporate mental health awareness at every level. So yeah, again, everybody is, you know, talking about it, is aware of it. And as always, Village, there's there's so much information on this topic. And if you would like to learn more about it, please feel free to do your own research. Right? Here's to brighter days. and queens each week on the show i talk about black history because i believe that it is important for all of us to learn about all aspects of black history 365 days of the year now there is no need for us to wait until february honey Mm -mm. so today in black history over the course of a day 
on Saturday, August 30th, 1919 in Knoxville, Tennessee. There was a riot which was sparked by anti-black violence during what was known as Red Summer. And what became an all-too-typical pattern, an African-American was blamed for the murder of a white woman. The suspect in custody that day was Maurice Mays, a black man who maintained his innocence for years until he was executed by the state. The arrest of Maurice Mays, a sometimes deputy sheriff, touched off the riot. That's what set everything off, y'all. Mays was a well-known political figure and was rumored to be the illegitimate son of Knoxville Mayor John E. McMillan. In the early morning hours of August 30th, police charged Mays with the murder of Miss Bertie Lindsay, a white woman. Mays had been identified as the assailant by the victim's cousin, Ora Smith, who was with Lindsay at the time of the assault. The arrest of Maurice Mays, uh, a sometimes again deputy sheriff, um, you know, shows that no matter what, no matter who you are, that you can fall victim to this right here. Okay. Now, as rumors of violence circulated, the crowd broke into downtown hardware stores. They armed themselves and headed for the black section of town. A detachment of the National Guard hurriedly called to the scene proved to be little use in controlling the crowd as guardsmen joined the white mob and fired into black occupied buildings while black people returned the fire. One National Guard officer was killed accidentally by his own men and one African American was also shot and killed. On the morning of Sunday, August 31st, several hundred additional guardsmen restored order, and in the end, hundreds of citizens were wounded and seven people were killed, six black people and one white person. Now, the riot prompted many African Americans to flee the city, having escaped the mob but not the courts. Mays was sentenced to death. He appealed his case to save his life without success, and the East Tennessee News published a prayer attributed to Mays prior to his death. And it went like this. O Father Supreme Being, though who is above in all things, I make my final appeal to you, not for my life, but for my soul. Sheriffs, judges, and governor have turned their backs on me, and I have only you to appeal to. Cleanse the sinful hearts of men who have dipped their fingers in my innocent blood. Mm, mm, mm. That was his prayer. Now, also in black history, beautiful people, distinguished civil rights attorney Thurgood Marshall made history again on August 30th, 1967, when he became the first African-American confirmed to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, before his nomination, he had successfully argued against school segregation in the groundbreaking Brown v. Board of Education and won nearly 30 other cases before the high court. After the Senate vote of 69 to 11, with 20 mostly Southern Democrats abstaining, surprise, surprise, or shall I say shocker, Marshall was sworn in two days later. He says, I quote, I believe it is the right thing to do, the right time to do it, the right man in the right place, 
and actually, forgive me, that was said by President Lyndon B. Johnson, who in 1961 had unsuccessfully tried to seat Marshall on the U.S. Court of Appeals. And that, beautiful people, was Black History Wednesday. The next song was written and composed by Jackson and produced by Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. Now, Quincy Jones encouraged Michael to include a rock song on the album. Now, Jackson later said, I wanted to write a song, the type of song that I would buy if I were to buy a rock song. And I wanted the children to really enjoy it, the school children as well as the college students. Now, this song also includes a guitar solo from the late, great Eddie Van Halen. Released as the album's third single, it peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, staying there for three weeks. Here is MJ with Beat It.
village. With the way that time is flying, Halloween will be here before we know it. And this song can certainly put you in the mood, especially if you like all those ghosts, goblins, and zombies. Now, this song was released in 1982, November that is, and spent months, months at the top of the Billboard 200. Here is Michael Jackson with one of his mega hits, Thriller. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic.
triggers. Now we're learning more about people who may have experienced trauma or, you know, even multiple traumas in their lives. The thing is, it has often been unhealed trauma that presents itself in bad behavior, you know, to someone who may be observing it or even poor coping skills. Within the mental health community, there has been a shift from a traditional medical perspective on mental health, which focused on symptoms rather than the person. But now we're at a point in mental health care where it's more person-centered and strength-based language is used instead, right? So we're coming to a certain awareness concerning mental health and mental health services and support. And regardless of mental wellness, negative emotions are just a part of life. I think we can all agree about that, right? Now, on any given day, something can happen that makes an individual upset, afraid, or angry. But sometimes people find themselves feeling these emotions with no real cause. Like you don't even understand what's going on. Now, in cases like these, emotional triggers may be the reason for abrupt negative moves. An emotional trigger could be an item, subject, word, or even memory that evokes very strong negative feelings for you. Things that trigger people often affect a person regardless of their overall situation, which makes them especially distressing for people living with mental health conditions. Now, if you find yourself suddenly feeling upset or distressed, it could be due to something that has triggered you, you know, and your mental health could be the reason that you are being triggered. It, it really does depend. Now, for that reason, Today, we're going to look at some of the most common triggers and give guidance on how to deal with these triggers in your daily life. Because a trigger is often related to a traumatic event, there really is no emotional triggers like list, so to speak, to follow. 
So this means that in order to identify triggers, you have to examine how you feel in response to external causes. So for example, triggers can cause a variety of negative emotions such as fear, sadness, anger, insecurity, anxiety. The response to a trigger is not solely mental. It's, it's not a mental one either, all right? Emotional triggers can present with physical symptoms that feel similar to those of an anxiety disorder. And so those physical signs of triggers can include increased heart rate, nausea, shaking, dizziness, sweaty palms. When you feel these emotions, beautiful people, or these physical sensations come on without warning, it's likely due to a psychological trigger. Now, again, we're not here labeling anything or anyone. We're just really giving you the information. That's all I'm doing, giving information so that you can think about things. Perhaps if you are seeing a mental health professional, you'll want to talk to them about some of the uh, triggers or some of the emotions, some of the behaviors that you might be experiencing for yourself or perhaps for someone else that you're witnessing these behaviors in, all right? To identify the emotional trigger, you have to look at the situation around you. So for example, you might go to a doctor's office one day and suddenly feel an intense emotional response. If this happens every time you see that particular doctor, then the trigger could be going on, you know, in the doctor's office. However, it could also be something in the office, like a poster that reminds you of a traumatic event or a topic of conversation. So Village, let's talk about the different types of emotional triggers. Now, a trigger can truly be anything, but most triggers fall into one of a few categories. And with each category, your trigger falls into uh, what can be, you know, based on the initial traumatic event. All right. So, you know, the feelings it causes or the combination of both and the most common types of triggers. And so what I mean by that is we're about to talk about triggers that are directly associated with what you're feeling. OK, so if you have anxiety triggers, you know, like the name implies, anxiety triggers relate to feelings of extreme nervousness that come on seemingly out of nowhere. Common signs of anxiety triggers are nervousness, shaking, stomach troubles, and increased heart rate. Common examples of anxiety triggers include going out in public, making phone calls, or in trying something new. There are also anger triggers, okay? Now, these emotional triggers lead to strong, sudden outbursts of anger. Often, these emotional triggers are based in trauma as well, and they leave individuals feeling a lack of control. Signs of anger triggers include bodily tension and fast, shallow breathing. Sometimes individuals try to use drugs and alcohol to manage anger triggers, which can lead to co-occurring disorders. And that just means two disorders that occur at the same time. Okay, so you can have mental health conditions and or substance use is what that means. Okay, and not really the or, it's really and. Right? So you can have mental health and substance use together. You can have mental health and physical conditions together, co-occurring. All right. So trauma triggers. Those are for individuals who have undergone trauma and processing those feelings can be very challenging. For some, trauma triggers may manifest alongside post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Now, although they can occur 
on their own as well. So understand that. It doesn't have to just be PTSD. It could be outside of that as well. Now, these emotional triggers often manifest with avoidance behaviors where people, knowingly or not, avoid situations that remind them of past trauma. So as you can see, there are many different types of triggers, and some triggers do not fall neatly into any of these categories. Now, what that means is that there are no simple ways to identify triggers. In fact, it requires a lot of introspection and self-reflection, which means it's important to have good mental wellness if you want to successfully identify your emotional triggers. Now, the type of mental health care that you'll need it will depend on your mental health and your unique history. So for example, an inpatient mental health program can be a crucial reset for individuals who need to take time to focus solely on their mental health. And then there can also be a crisis care program, which might be more appropriate for someone whose emotional triggers have threatened their mental stability. In some cases, People who struggle to identify emotional triggers may turn to drugs and alcohol as a means to cope. You know, you want to numb yourself to the pain type of a thing. And in situations like this, a dual diagnosis program may be necessary to address both mental health conditions and issues and co-occurring substance use disorders. When you're treating both issues simultaneously, comprehensively, and holistic healing becomes possible, all right? And that can also help individuals break the cycle of poor mental health and substance use. So you treat both simultaneously, you have a comprehensive approach, and holistic healing. That's what they're saying. That may be able to help break that cycle of poor mental health and substance use. So what I love about that is that, of course, we find out that there are different ways that we can different ways that we can take care of ourselves, all right? So when you receive mental health care, it becomes much easier to identify emotional triggers. And not only will you be able to identify your triggers, but you'll be able to receive expert guidance. See those mental health professionals out there, let them help you. And it'll be tailored to your unique experience. In this way, you'll learn to manage psychological triggers, excuse me, psychological triggers, and to minimize your their, their power in your life, right? You want to be able to live your life and you don't want it to be all about your triggers, your trauma, your pain. Everybody deserves a life filled with love and happiness and all that you'd love for your life to be. So Village, one of the things that has been so empowering for me is I've learned to manage my mental health and wellness over the years is just feeling so liberated in learning what my triggers are, right? And I'm definitely a work in progress. Don't get it twisted. I don't know everything. But it's important for you to, uh, to know and understand that it is a process. It's not something that happens overnight, right? You're not going to learn how to do that overnight. So be easy with yourselves as you're doing the work too. So I hope, as always, that this information has been of help to you. And if you are in need of more information, guess what? That's right. I encourage you to do your own research. Here's to brighter days.
So kings and queens, that was Remember the Time, which is one of my mom's favorite songs. And there is just no way that I could do any MJ tribute without including that one or else I would have to hear about it, y'all. Now, it was released by Epic Records on January 14, 1992, as the second single from Jackson's A studio album, Dangerous. The song was written and composed by Teddy Riley, Jackson, and Bernard Bell. It was also produced by Riley and Jackson. Now, the song's lyrics are written about remembering having fallen in love with someone. And the song was commercially successful, peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Billboard Hot R&B singles, as well as mainstream top 40 chart. It is certified three times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Now, internationally, the song was a top 10 hit in nine countries, also peaking at number one in New Zealand, number two in Spain and number three in the United Kingdom. And it was followed by You Are Not Alone. Now, I know, Village, that it could sound redundant to say that this is another favorite of mine. You know those songs that speak to you because of what you're going through. You know, something that you're going through at the moment. Yeah, well, this would be that song, right? You Are Not Alone comes from his nice studio album, His Story, Past, Present, and Future, Book One, which was released in 1995. Now, an R&B ballad, You Are Not Alone, was something that was written by American singer R. Kelly in response to difficult times in his own personal life. It received generally positive reviews and was the recipient of the Grammy and Music Award nominations. It holds a Guinness World Record as the first song to debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was also certified platinum. beautiful people it's time for this week's inspirational story and the name of the story is the greatest gift is love the greatest gift is love here's the story a woman came out of her house and saw three old men with long white beards sitting in her front yard she didn't recognize them and she said i don't think i know you but you must be hungry please come in and have something to eat is the man of the house home they asked no she said he's out then we cannot come in that was their reply now in the evening when her husband came home she told him what had happened and he said go and tell them i'm home and invite them in i just want to know why did he go invite them in but (laughs) i digress now the woman went out she invited the women she invited the men in excuse me they said to her do not go into a house together and she said why is that because she really wanted to know and actually so do I one of the old men explained his name being wealth he pointed to one of his friends and he pointed to the other and he said this is success and that is love then he added now go in and discuss with your husband which one of us you want in your home The woman went and told her husband what was said, and her husband was overjoyed. How nice, he said. Since that is the case, then let us invite wealth. Let him come and fill our home with wealth. His wife disagreed. 
my dear, why don't we invite success? Now their daughter-in-law was listening from the other corner of the house and she jumped in with her own suggestion. Would it not be better to invite love? I mean, our home will then be filled with love. Well, let us heed our daughter-in-law's advice, said the husband to his wife. Go out and invite love to be our guest. So the woman went out, and again, I'm still asking, why can't he? Okay, sorry. The woman went out and asked the three old men, which one of you is love? Please come in and be our guest. So love got up and started walking toward the house. Now the other two also got up and followed him. Surprised, the lady asked wealth and success, but, you know, I only invited love. Why are you coming in? So the old men replied together, if you had invited wealth or success, the other two of us would have stayed out. But since you invited love, wherever he goes, we go with him. Wherever there is love, there's also wealth and success. So what's the moral of the story, beautiful people? Well, in everything that you do, be sure to lead with love, and the rest will follow.
That was none other than Smooth Criminal, which is another example of his performance prowess. And it was from his seventh album, Bad. Now, the music video for Smooth Criminal, which premiered International MTV on August 13, 1988, is the centerpiece of the 1988 film Moonwalker. The 1930s setting in Jackson's white suit and fedora pay tribute to the late Fred Astaire. The musical comedy film, The Bandwagon, is which, you know, the film that Fred Astaire appeared in. Now, in the video, Jackson and the dancers perform an apparently physically impossible anti-gravity lean. That's what they do, that lean in that video. Have y'all seen that? If you haven't, go back and look at it. Now, Smooth Criminal reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the sixth top 10 single from Bad. And it was followed by Man in the Mirror, which is also another song that can never be left out of any Michael Jackson tribute. Now that song is the epitome of who Michael Jackson was, someone who cared about our world. The song was written by Glenn Ballard and Saida Garrett. And it topped the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks, becoming his 10th number one single on the chart. And it was certified three times platinum. It was nominated for Record of the Year at the 31st Grammy Awards. Now say what you will about Michael Jackson, Village. There was no one else like him. No one. The amount of time and excellence that he put into all of his performances was always jaw-dropping and electrifying. His music videos were events, honey, events, that families gathered around their televisions to witness. And then everyone, man, woman, and child, would talk about those performances the next day at school or at work, right? No one really got the kind of buzz that he did. He was the star's star, and it felt like that then, and it still feels like that today, that he was the most famous person on the planet. Thank you, Michael, for all that you gave us. You will continue to be missed. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be here with you in the village each and every week. Thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to being with you all again here next week. Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I should let you guys know there's only two more shows and we'll be coming to our season finale and I'll be on hiatus, but new episodes will be available beginning in November. Now, please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village mentality the podcast you can also catch episodes of village mentality on spotify google Podcasts, anchor radio public and there is a link to each episode available on instagram again at villagementality.ckm and on facebook at village mentality the podcast and one more place that you can find village mentality would be the awakened lounge.com slash backslash that is 
village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. Energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Yeah.